Who are you when no one's watching? It's an interesting question. Well, I guess there's a version of us all that shows up to work. They're often a matter of fact. A professional portray a person who's got their shit together. But there's always so much more to people than who we meet in public. There are parts of their story which we don't expect that are not necessary to disclose for them to do their job well, but most definitely underpin the reasons that they are good enough to get hired in the first place. And those are the things that are interesting, aren't they? Those are the things that Zoe Marshall likes to dive into every episode on her show, The Deep. And Zoe has quite the story herself. It's a goodie. I think you're going to dig it. Before we get there, here's some ads. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I know I've got a choice. The grief is there, the trauma is there. It's going to be the most uncomfortable, disgusting, horrific thing to look through, to pass through, and it's not going to be quick. But what is my other choices? I can live with putting it under the surface, drinking a bit too much, maybe going to men for attention, finding ways to build myself up, you know, on a surface level and let it pop up every now and again or turn me bitter. Or just go like head first. And I think because I had nothing to lose but my life, it was my life or head first. That is podcaster, entrepreneur, Zoe Marshall. This is Osher Ginsberg, Better Than Yesterday.
G'day, this is Better Than Yesterday. It is a show here to make your day-to-day better than yesterday. Since 2013, having conversations that do just that. Talk to people from all over the world, from all walks of life, some of them are the best at what they do. And each one will leave you with just that little bit of something. I learn a lot from these chats and I hope you do too. Thank you so much for all the emails that came in through the week. Send Osher email at gmail.com. Why is the email like that? Because that's my name. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Hi, I'm a podcaster. I'm an author. I'm a TV host. I'm a, uh, what am I doing at the moment? Laundry putter away, USB cable folder, <laughs> hair product washer outer. And I'm glad you're here today. Thanks for being a part of the show. Thanks for all the emails that came in through the week. Uh, someone wrote, on a train in Europe, listening to them, two of my favorite humans as I near the end of a soul-affirming solo month's traveling. You and Rich are perfect company. There was a lovely picture out the window of a lovely mountain that looked like somewhere in the south and sunny part of Europe in the summertime. Love to get your emails of what you're looking at while you're listening to the show. Amy wrote to say uh, a huge thank you for your check-in last Friday on resentment. Oh, yeah, that was a goodie. Hugely necessary for me right now. I love how you deliver the therapy truths in such an accessible way. It's life-changing. I better get writing some letters, if not even just to myself, keep up the good work. And um, Amy listened while walking this boy, and there's a picture of what looks like a rescue greyhound or something similar. Thanks heaps for writing, guys. Yeah, email me. Send Osher email at gmail.com. Love to get your emails. It's always good. Look, I want to tell you about my guest today. Zoe Marshall is a podcaster. She's a broadcaster. She's an entrepreneur. She's from Australia. She's worked in media here for over a decade. She writes weekly newspaper columns. She hosts radio. She even hosts a radio show with her husband, Benji Marshall. That's a big deal. He's a rather high-profile football player in Australia and has got on to a career still in the league but not on the field anymore. Zoe's got a podcast. It's called The Deep. Well worth a listen. does what it says on the box. It's deep, intimate conversations, which for my money really normalise the idea that no person is just one thing. There's many facets that make up a jewel even if the public only see one side of it. Before we get cracking, though, this episode explores areas like domestic violence, suicide, uh, child sexual assault, even trafficking, all in context, of course. If you're not up for that today, that's okay. Plenty of other episodes to choose from. But I hope you enjoy this chat with Zoe Marshall. Hello. How are you today, Zoe? I'm actually good. You good? Yeah, I am. Yeah? I am good. I'm very honest about whether I'm good or not, and today is a good day. That's it's a good, good day. Yeah. How are you? How? Oh, well, I'm good. Thank you for asking. Uh, early morning. Um, mm-hmm. I, I can't complain. I saw my man this morning. I'm on a long physical rehab journey, and uh, I saw my man this morning, and he's uh, at a part of the city that's very easy to get to at 7.20 a.m. when I saw him on the motorbike. But on the way back, it is like now everybody also wants to go down this road to the city. And um, look, lane filtering is legal, but half an hour of it, you're on, you're like, you have to be on point. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a dangerous <laughs> it's, thing riding a motorbike in a it is. very busy city with very aggressive drivers. You're very brave. I don't know how that would be for I my mental think- health. I Like the anxiety of that is a lot. 
you know? I, I don't Coming. know if they're aggressive, Zoe. I think they just, you know, they're in their own, they're in their own shit and they don't, you know, that's fine. It's, I always say to other people, like it's not, I, I rode bicycles for a long time before I rode motorbikes. And if, Holy if shit. someone's turning So you've turning been hated my, on the road for a for a long time. A long time. I don't Got know if it. I've been hated on the road. I've been, I have been the object of another person's perhaps um, misdirected oh. upset irritation. I don't know if it is misdirected you know? though, you know, sometimes. Motorbike better, but I, I am one of the people that do get unfairly annoyed at the cyclists, which they're doing great things for the environment and their health. Oof, but my patience is tested. And that just shows me I'm one of those aggressive drivers, you know? Well, full disclosure, I sit on the board of We Ride Australia, which is a, um, a government-facing body, <laughs> an this industry, uh, and it represents the cycling industry. So, look, there's a lot of been a lot of research into this, and our, we are, our country is one of the um, anomalies that have this attitude towards mm. another human being. No, this like now feels it's like it's a therapy session, which is okay. But <laughs> I, I am I'm it is not trying to be defensive and I'm very, it, look, what I'm saying is it tests my patience. I'm not aggressive. I don't honk. Yeah. I don't do dangerous behaviour. But internally I'm like, do you know what it feels like? It feels like someone is valuing their self-worth so much and it is triggering something in me that I can't turn up and give myself space or value in the same way they are, you know. So that is, it, it, it's, yeah, it, it, it's spiky. It's but the, cy- the cyclist is, the cyclist you know, like, is, I really don't want to die. So for this no, little moment no, no, in this no. corner here, I'm just going to take up a bit more lane. <laughs> Not that the fact that they have got their shit together, they've got some riding buddies, yeah. they're prioritizing their health, they're really not like concerned with my perception of that. They're like, you know what, I fucking deserve this piece of road and I'm okay with that <laughs> and I'm doing better things for the climate and I'm doing better things for my health. Like there's a priority shift there, whereas I yeah. feel like there's a little bit, like I'm a bit maybe envious of that. I can be pretty fucking annoyed at, at cyclists, and I'm a cyclist, particularly those who run red lights. I'm like, you're the reason people yell at me, mate. Stop uh, it. I don't you know? see them and, run and, red and lights, but I, I see them take up space, which is natural and normal, but it also feels like cycling is something, it's like you are choosing yourself, you know. You're, it is a definitely... Mm-hmm. And this is interesting, right? I don't wonder how many mothers cycle because you need time, you need the logistics. Like I'm very jealous that there is this whole group of people that get to have this much space and time. I think that's what it is for me, apart from them being slow and taking up a bit of space. The research is really interesting around that. And the the, the wild thing is that I'm, I'm pretty sure you're referring to lots of people in Lycra riding side by side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, as someone who's been and have you know before my all my hip shit, like I would go on group rides quite a bit, and there are group rides that are incredibly aware of their presence on the road, and group rides who don't give a shit. Yes. And uh, I would, I just I won't be in a group ride that doesn't go single file when needed. I won't do it because it's just it's it's bonkers. The only exception, and this is I I live in Sydney. The only exception is that. 
uh, when they built the extra runway at Sydney Airport, they mm. failed to consider that people may perhaps want not ride. want to drive, that mm-hmm. they may want to use something that isn't a car, maybe walk even. Mm. And so there's no there's no accommodation for a non-vehicular transit south unless you take like a, it's about a 15-kilometre detour around the airport. Wow. So riding side by side is actually the only safest way to get through the uh, airport tunnel down south and back north. Um, the the so tunnel that, that I went the, through this morning. down to, That's the exception. Down to Cogra. That's the only time. I, I've I've never done it. I've never ridden in that tunnel because I don't want to die. Mm. Uh, but the it, it's it is really fascinating, Zoe, because not everyone can afford a car, and cycling is the way that people can get to their job. Mm-hmm. And we often, you know, we look at the world through the lens that we have, and and we have this as humans, we have this bias of you know the the world appears to others as it appears to me, and. You know, when it comes to side by side, yeah, group riders. I'm like, guys, look, you don't need to do this here. Like, if it was airport tunnel, I get it, but here, you don't need to do this. Come on, go single file, mm-hmm. have a chat about your portfolio later. Come on. Do um, you think but that, that like, is only five percent of all cyclists? That's only five percent of all cyclists in Australia. They're giving you a bad rap, rap, aren't they? Yeah, five percent. My my the most the bike I ride the most is our um cargo bike that I have. Uh, it fits three of us. It has Wolfie on the back, Audrey in the middle, and me on the front. <laughs> now that and brings ride, me joy. That dude, it's brings me joy. It's when the I Amsterdam see that, minivan. It's the best. <laughs> when I see that, I'm like, you know what is up with life? Like this is oh yeah, family harmony. Right now. This Mate, is joy. We hockey strap the umbrella to the back. We go, literally, we ride it to the beach, chain it up on the fence, Genius. walk down the stairs, my feet are in sand. Genius. I'm not lugging shit to a picnic Genius. table. I ride next to the picnic table and put my stuff on the table. So I'm selective with it, my annoyance, if you can see that. <laughs> I'm selective with that. Right. Okay, well, but well. here we are. You're here. Here we you are. got here on a bike. So that was a long answer to how how are you? I'm good. You're good, but it, there, <laughs> there's some good. levels. I'm there's some good. levels. Okay. Well, you know what? There was only one person that nearly killed me this morning, but you know, the Wu Tang Clan made it better. Uh, mm. You know, every now and again, when I'm riding one of the when I'm riding the motorbike, just you know, somehow, the Rizza, the Gizza, Ghostface Killer, old dirty bastard. <laughs> I uh, can actually see it. Inspector Dex. It really helps because, you know, cash does rule everything around me, uh, especially when I'm on the, on the road. Great. <laughs> yeah. I feel yes, you. it's the way forward. Now, look, I'm so grateful. Look, you've, we've got a bit of time here because, you know, it's uh, for us, it's daycare day. So all my podcasts are on daycare day, which are always oh, good. And I'm sure awesome. you've got a bit of, yeah, it, it is. I love my children so much. And I also love it when I don't have to make sure they I'm... don't aren't trying to kill themselves every four seconds. Uh, not that your needs that much supervision these days. 19 and three and a half. Yeah, right. I'm in the, I've got the yeah. five and I've got the 20 months. And, you yeah. know, I just go back to it's the season. We're in a season. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. But to be here with and, you, there's a nanny downstairs <laughs> and uh, all uh, yeah. is well in the world, you know? Well, yeah, and that's the you know care, daycare and childcare is is vital. And this idea that you'll just carry on and off your pop, you'll be fine. Like I, I had a fair idea about what the disparities that that went on um, between uh, you know a, a male person, shall we say, and a non-male person 
in the world, certainly around when it came, you know, your career path or, mm-hmm. you know, bringing a child into the world. Uh, I'd seen it done in my television career. I'd seen people come back to work after six weeks full time. And, uh, and I've, you know, I, and then I see, see Audrey who, you know, dropped out of uni. She was doing biotech. She dropped out of uni when, you know, she had Georgia and then she got this like firing you know, makeup career. And when you're a TV and film makeup artist, you know, if you're not in the mix, you're not in the mix, you know. And mm-hmm. so a month off means that you just stop getting calls. You're replaceable. Sometimes. Yeah. That's a freelancer gig, you know. Mm-hmm. And you ask, if you ask me, hey, would you do that for three years? Put yourself out of the mix for a couple of years? I'd probably say no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's fine because you also don't get to make any money while you do it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's never-ending laundry. Are you in? It's the, <laughs> the mental load, let alone the logistical, physical stuff, is so taxing that me – so if you were the same thing were to say to me, stay home and do all of that and not make any money or have an excuse to leave – just to leave them and get some help mm. in, I'm always going to take that other option because yeah. I don't have that mental capacity to be able to do the monotony of it because I love the kids. We always say that. We love the kids, right? It's not about the kids. Oh, they're amazing. But the day-in, day-out slog of it as well as the mental load and then having to meet your children with presence and consciousness and constant kindness and f- strong boundaries, like, Oh, holy shit. You know, that is not for me full time. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot to it. And if it, what it, when it is full time, you can't do all of, you know, it's hard to do all of it. I'm sure people do, but if even Marie Kondo throws her hands in the air and says, I don't give a shit anymore. Like that's got to tell you something, doesn't it? And I think then we have to look at it as we will do the best that we can. Like, you know, all of our parents fuck us up. They do. We're all going to therapy because of something our parents did. So we will fuck our kids up. Like it's going to happen. It's just to what severity. So if we're in a place where we're burning out or our health is depleting or whatever it is and you're turning up for your kid by like just watch another hour of television or just have something, you know, from the freezer for dinner, whatever it is for you to cope to get through, I think we need to give ourselves those allowances because it's just hard out there. It's hard out there to do it well. It's hard out there to do everything with the same amount of gusto. I find it impossible and I just kind of like a pendulum swing from one thing to the other, you know. I I just I'm still looking for that person that's got it down, that's doing it all bits well, you know. Look, I'm sure they exist and you know, it's a, it's a really th- interesting thing about parenting. Charlie Clawson and I started Dad Pod because we couldn't find any dad content that sounded like the kind of dads that we were. It was all dumb fat dad, you know, the guy you see mm-hmm. on the ad who forgets the insurance or, you know, has fucking heaps of mates on, you know, some gambling app. There's mm-hmm. no, you know, no, I'm going to close the laptop and show up and come and, you know, you know, crawl around on all fours and do stuff with you right mm-hmm. now because now mm-hmm. is what I've got and let's go. There was that, you know. So we started that. And I guess the thing when we're talking about parenting, like it's it's unlike like my rehab guy this morning, Luke, he can tell me to do a thing and it will work for me as much as his next client and the client after that because mm-hmm. we're isolating a particular muscle and trying to make it work. 
absolutely no kid's the same. No kid responds to the same thing. They can have these broad brush strokes and no kid gets the same set of parents, you know? The second kid gets a set of parents that have been through it before. The fourth mm-hmm. kid gets a set of parents that are like, ah, just fine, you're all right. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. It's, it's wild. You did mention, you mentioned uh, everyone's in therapy and you've been quite open about not only therapy, but uh, therapy that you undertake with your husband. Mm-hmm. For people who've never been to couples therapy, and you've been doing this quite some time. Yeah. Why is it that you, how did you first identify that this might be a thing you needed? I mean, he's, you know, professional athlete. He appreciates what coaching can do. Mm-hmm. Was it a barrier to, to get him over the line? Yeah. Were you harder I, to drag along? I think it needed to be a rock bottom for him to be willing. So it was yeah. very early on when we had started dating and we had gotten to a crossroads where something occurred that was unacceptable and I was ready to walk and he wasn't willing to let it go. And I said to him, I have so much rage, I can't manage the conversation with you well. So we would need a third party in the room. And he was like, I'm willing. And I said, okay, we'll find someone. I said, you got to do it really quick because it was a public holiday and we had a actual vacation booked that week and he was desperate Whoa. to go on this vacation. And I said, I can't go with you in a crisis like this. So he rang around, I think, every single clinic in Sydney and found one therapist that was open on this specific day. I think it was the Sunday and we needed her on the Monday. And um, that was, which was a public holiday. And we went in there and we, you know, we were desperate. So it was kind of like you can go into therapy with your, you know, everything closed off and take a really long time to warm up, or you can just go in there and kind of like spew it all out onto the table. And that's, we were the latter and she is still our therapist to this day, 14 years on. Um, I see her separately, but she'll see us together for different kinds of things in big life moments, but it was her that said, you know, she was able to identify initially in that first session that my attachment style is anxiously attached, him being an avoidant, him and I not being in close proximity through a crisis would be really detrimental to me. So she encouraged me to go away on this holiday and put really strong boundaries around us to work through this. And it, it, shifted everything and we were never the same in the best possible way because the way that we communicate now is, you know, incredible respect even when we're fucking pissed. It's Can we swear on your podcast? Um, Just Fuck, we've already been swearing a lot, so yes. (laughs) Have I just just noticed? Okay, so. That's fine. We have this deep level of respect even when we're raging. We have ways in which. Just all of these um, techniques to be able to hear or meet each other um, to work mm. through it. And, you know, there's definite times throughout the decade of marriage that we've been through where we're like, we can't actually just do this. You know, one of those times was I was five weeks postpartum and the NRL was moving everybody up north for quarantine because of COVID to keep the game going. Oh, Twin Pines, whatever it was called. What yeah. was it called? Um, Twin Waters somewhere. We went it was like this amazing hotel. There was a, it was a process. There were so many hotels. Well, a lot of it was very hard because so many people weren't even allowed to be with loved ones while they were passing and yeah, then we yeah. got this green light to go, which 
did all sorts of things internally for me that was just really upsetting. But I had just given birth five weeks postpartum and I had this really dedicated postpartum support, right, because I I was robbed of it the first time because I was trying to be a hero and I went back to work seven weeks postpartum with my first. And so I was super excited. I had all of this stuff, you know, uh, uh, meals and people coming to look after me and saved all this money to support myself. And then this thing happens and Ben just told, you need to leave this week to go into quarantine. You may or may not see Zoe for three months, four months. We don't know how long. And the baby and my three-year-old. And I just, oof, like I was so upset, so enraged. I felt so robbed again. I felt so resentful to this Mm. opportunity. Also, I was just like, you, the bit in me, which I would never want to be, was coming up, which is like, you can't leave. Like, Mm. I will drown. I cannot be in a lockdown with a five-week-old and a three-year-old by myself. Like, I cannot. Where I'm at, I cannot do it. And I know so many people have that as their reality and we had to call on the therapist to kind of go like he said this is the turning point in my career for me if I do not go it's it Mm -hmm. it's done like I end the way and and it's not the way I want it to go like 20 years in this industry I can't go like this so it was just this Mm -hmm. horrible thing that we couldn't work out and with her help and support We got to a place where he said to them, "Uh, you guys all go ahead. I have to stay here until the women get approval to come with us. And so he missed out on, I believe, two games, but he was with me in quarantine in the Gold uh, Gold Coast for two weeks. So I had the Mm -hmm. five-week-old. We had him in a room with the three-year-old for two weeks. And so, like, look, it was a big deal, but... We got through that and we had to make a really hard decision. But in life, there's hard decisions and therapists are the ones to get you through, you know? Any access to healthcare is a luxury. In Australia, we have an unbelievable healthcare mm-hmm. system. It's not perfect. No mm-hmm. system is, though it is extraordinarily so far, far and above so many other countries. So we're very, very lucky. Mm-hmm. Access to a therapist for a couple is, you know, is something that not everybody has. Yep. Um, Yet it is something that is can be extraordinarily powerful. Yeah, but it's it's a risk. The reason why it worked that I could go and see her outside of this was because we had such a foundation with she knew us both so well. I mean, the work that I do on my podcast, The Deep, has only been able to exist because I have a deep need to heal all of my own traumas and I have tried almost all apart from ayahuasca (laughs) like I've tried almost all remedies therapies outrageous types of workshops you know all of the things like I really deep dived to heal myself and then I have this constant fascination with humans and suffering and the way that we turn up. And I mean, maths 
is -hmm. an incredible example of this, right? We're, We're incredibly fascinated at the way that people are in relationship to each other. Obviously, there's a lot of outside influences to that. But we love to see people in relationships banging against each other, fucking it all up, you know? I've honestly never, I've honestly never watched a frame. I've never watched a frame unless it's on Gogglebox. Wow. I've never seen it. So it is, the reason why it's one of the highest rating shows is because we're all obsessed. I know about it. <laughs> you know about it, right? <laughs> I just can't do it. I we're, know about it, but I just can't engage we're, with ob- it. We're obsessed with watching people bang around together and not figure it out. And the thing I know is, have you seen, is it called Shrinked or Shrinking on Apple? Yeah. Oh, so great. Yes, I've just started it. And, and you know, some people love therapy just to be able to talk shit and some people need it because they're so desperate to get out of the position that they're in. And I think that the reason I am so passionate about it and I share different ways because you're right, it is a privilege to be able to access mental health care. We do have lots of ways, though, to access it in this country. So, I'm also, as much as I'm passionate about all of the woo-woo and the workshops and the weird shit, I'm also really passionate about going, there are, uh, you know, depending on your income, there's Relationships Australia, which is where I started when I was out of a DV relationship. My mum had just died. My family had taken me to court. I had zero. I was rock bottom. I was suicidal. I had no access to money. And I went there and that was my stepping stone, you know, from that place to seeing that therapist for a little while, building that relationship and going, getting some more other tools in life to how do I get the self-esteem to get a job again? How do I write a resume? All of those little life skills that take you one step to another to then making an income a little bit, you know, squirreling a little bit more money away to see a different kind of therapist or to do a different workshop. I think it does come Mm. down to like I was willing to sacrifice Everything. And I mean, like, I had one packet of minced meat, right, which was, what, five bucks, minced beef, five bucks. And I would quarter that, not quarter that up, I would divvy that up over five days to have that meal every single day. I would, whatever it took so I could put the money away to see the therapist or to do the thing because I was in so much pain. It was the only thing that I could look forward to, to understanding how to unravel all of this mess, you know? When you mention, you know, engaging with therapy and, you know, I was, I'd, I'd spoke at a thing yesterday and, and someone was asking me, sounds like a lot of work. I said, yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. But it's like, but the life I, the life I get to have because of the, of the work that I, I do every day to stay on top of it is amazing. It's not like high school where you graduate and then you're fine. Like some things are, some things I, I just simply don't do anymore. Uh, sure. Other things keep sneaking up, keep fucking yeah. showing up. Like so I keep shit. turning on the indicator in my wife's car, even though it's swapped around from my car, uh, which is the other way around. Like it's right in front of me. I can see that's the lever to turn the indicator on, not windshield wiper. Like it's an, a semi-automatic know. thing. It's like, fuck. And there's so many things in my life that are like that. And so the work does, it, it, some of it is is daily, but there are peak moments that show up that can change things. And, I, and you know, you have mentioned that, say, for example, around the birth of a kid or, as you just mm-hmm. mentioned, when you were relocating to Queensland, to go back in and check and maybe get a new set of tools or, you know, reassess where things are 
to to deal with those level ups. I'm wondering if you might be able to kind of talk us through why things like that are important. Oh, I've got so many examples of this. So one of them was I have, I've I've got many issues we can talk about. One of them is this extreme phobia of vomit. It's nonsensical. It's irrational. I know it, yada, yada. Working on it forever. It's attached to my anxious attachment to my husband. So when he travels from work, I get really heightened and anxious because he's not here. That I won't get into the back end of that because it's too long-winded, but just know that when he travels, I freak out. So my anxiety is heightened. Every, I feel very unstable. I was working so hard on this that a trip came up for him, which was actually bullshit. Like the best fucking trip you can imagine. He's a golfer. It was being flown business class to Carolina, being put up in the Ritz, like playing with all these pros. Like it was, and I was, I said to the, I'm going to go a bit woo-woo, but I said to the universe, I was working with my therapist on this anxiousness. I said, give me a test. Next day, this email comes into him about this fucking trip. Yes. Excellent. Oh, it was not meaning so quickly. And he's like, look, this thing has come up. What do you think? And he's anxious because he so badly wants to go, but he knows my response is going to be triggered. And I'm like, this sounds so incredible. You have to go. He then freaks out. So I'm in the back end working on how we're going to get through it. I'm, I'm going to not be anxious. I'm going to put in some support to get through this so he can have the best time ever. He starts to self-sabotage it because he isn't used to my reaction. So now what you get uh-huh. is someone being destabilized by your leveling up, which is what mm. happens with dynamics, right? You meet, you fall in love, you get comfortable here, then one person shifts and the other one is like wonky. So we had this Mm -hmm. week of hell where he just was so making this so hard for me to be okay for him that I just had to redirect him to the therapist because I could not work out what was going on. He then had to see what it meant that me turning up for him and being okay was him thinking of me not being like anxious. He felt abandoned, right? Mm. So this constancy of like, being working on your mental health and knowing how the best way for you to be in the world, how it's going to look, right? So working physically on with exercise, mental health, with meditation or speaking to someone, eating well, all of the things. I've even gotten to the point where I have realised I am addicted to my ambition. Like I'm, ad- I'm addicted to doing, to being busy, which we know mm-hmm. is a Western phenomenon. And so what I have done is worked out how to offload all of these things and delegate, right? Big financial investments within my business to delegate so I have time. What has now happened now that I have time, I feel completely unstable because I am not doing things. So now I have other anxieties showing up. I have wondering if this is my life, like wondering what is life? Is this it? Like, how do I get a hit? How do I get like a endorphin hit or like whatever it is? And so it's like you said, you never end. The leveling up is mm. just, it's incredible because we're growing, but it's also exhausting. 
Yeah, but, you know, so is climbing to the top of Mount Everest. Yes, it is. And and that's the thing is like right now I'm in the middle of something so it feels tough and it feels exhausting but I'm still going to continue it because you're right. Like when you get there, the freedom, the richness, the way you see the world. Mm. Like I interviewed a guy last week, Terminal 4 cancer, right, being given two years to live. And the perspective, the shift in which he sees the world, I had a cancer scare just a couple months ago and fuck, like you don't want to have that be the thing that makes you slow down or hold on to your partner for a cuddle for, you know, an extra few seconds or really breathe your child in or do you know what I mean? Like we don't need those things. We can do that with the work and with the leveling up, we don't have to do it with hitting a rock bottom or being self, you know, self-sacrificing or self-sabotaging. When you're in, when you do find yourself in those moments and, um, you know, there's an ad, I grew up in Queensland and there's an ad there that says, if it's flooded, forget it. It's yes. basically, it's like, you might think you've got a rad Hilux, but it can't make it through. You don't know what the fucking road's doing. Don't drive over there. It looks, you know, don't. Go, numpty, because we don't want the SES pulling you out four k's down the road. Yes. So when when you and it's sometimes hard for me to recognise when I'm when I'm there. It takes me sometimes a few goes to go. Oh shit! When you do find yourselves in those moments, when you do find your the the you know old patterns showing up or a challenge, or something new shows up. Like I said, email comes and goes. Hey Zoe, we've got this massive thing, and you know. It, it clashes with the way that you may see yourself or what you might be yeah. worth and then, oh, I can't have this. How do you help yourself in those moments when things kind of having this peak moment? How What do you use to get yourself back to a place where mm. you can make a better choice than reacting? Yeah, it's such a great old, example. Old tools. It's such a great example because um, I feel like things will piss us off all the time because what we hope for is that life is you know, calm and easy and joyous all of the time, right? So when you get that email or someone is being demanding of you or there's a dick on the road or whatever it is. Cyclists. Fucking cyclists. This this fight or flight response, right? And I am kind of living through this great example right now of how to be better at this. I look at people very much like my husband, who's probably the other end of the spectrum, and I'm not saying that's the best way to be, which he's kind of unfuckable. Nope. Fuckwithable. I was not going to say unfuckable because he's definitely <laughs> yeah, yeah, fuckable. Yeah, yeah. Unfuckwithable. Do you know what I mean? He has this energy, yeah. which is this is where I'm at. I will take on what you're giving me in my time in the way that I want to receive it. That to me is so mind-blowing. That to me, that not reactive thing of like, no, fuck you, like defensiveness or being triggered or whatever is revolutionary. Now he does it to the point where he just will block people's calls and never answer any. (laughs) It's not very responsible or mature. And then people come to me like, hey, trying to get in touch with your husband like that's the most annoying thing but I would love to meet right. in the middle and be able to be like and I think this is where it comes in with finding equilibrium within your uh self right like if you're feeling you wake up in the morning 
and you have a tiny bit of space before the kids and the chaos or your life or alerts and you kind of bring in a little bit of presence of like your intention from the day, I feel like harnessing like a small moment allows you to be like, no, things are on my terms. Like I get to dictate. Like I saw something Taria Pitt put up today, which was like going on my phone and having all these pings, right, takes me out of my focus and myself. So allowing me to establish just a little bit of like me so I know how to turn up for it because Mm. really we're in control and I think we lose that a lot because life is fast-paced. We're like, no, they're dictating to me or I need to. Everything is okay and I think we forget that. Like and when you do have a health scare and you're really scared and you think that you Mm. might be sick, none of those emails, that person on the road, like things actually don't have as much weight and I think that we need to go back to that place of like, all right, no, all that matters is like we're safe. And I think that's probably where this, these triggers come from is like this, these neural pathways from when we're really little think that we're not mm. safe. But bringing that back to know we're actually okay. Per, I, I'm going to say the word wrong, but what I'm doing now with working through anxiety or when I'm feeling heightened, great tool is to feel your body. It's, it's like a little yoga technique, right? Like feel your body, what's underneath mm. your body, your clothes on your body, the way your breath is, but also look outside. Mm. Where's the yeah. city located? Where's the beach located? What's that called? Proceperception, something like that. The way Proprioception. The, thank you. The way the- It's why they have mirrors in gyms. Ah, helpful. So I think yeah. that really- Not not just to make sure that you're posing as right. It's to help hurt. you as someone who- has you know a, a problem at the moment because my hips are all fucked. Deadlifting straight in a straight line, it, it's 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 very helpful. That's why people use yeah proprioception. Proprioception. It's really yeah, orient orient yourself in the world. That is exactly yeah. it. So looking at the way the tree is moving outside, but then knowing where your kids mm-hmm. are in relation to you, or knowing where the bathroom is. So finding yourself in space again is such an incredible tool to bring you back into the body, and then be able to revisit the thing at hand because Mm. this is the, I I, am 38 years old and I'm just getting that it's always going to be like this. There's always going to be people, things, places, irritants constantly, right? Yeah. That is life. But I am like, I'm wanting to get into my like joy era, my pleasure era, my like peace era. (laughs) Really trying. (laughs) It does, that. that's, but that's the fallacy I think that we're sold. It doesn't exist. Yes. Uh, I, come to, I come back to it all the time. Susan David, the amazing Susan David, psychologist up at um, Harvard, her line is the uncomfortable feelings are the price of admission to a meaningful life. Or the Buddhist would say that life is pain. Yeah, life, life is, is suffering. suffering. Life is um, suffering. And it's okay. You know, the, yeah, I was lane filtering in really heavy traffic on the road this morning for half, straight half an hour, but. It was amazing. It was very stimulating. Mm. <laughs> and it was, you know, it was difficult, but it makes the stuff after that. Uh, it makes That's that when I get off the bike, uh, makes it even better. That's the bit is we don't know. So it's kind of like, I don't know if you believe in this, right, but the universe before it all existed, some, I think it was Disappearance of the Universe is this woo-woo book that says when everything was blackness, one part of it wanted to separate so it knew it, it's differentiated between the blackness and the somethingness, right? The first 
part of the Big Bang or whatever it was that happened, we only know the, the calm because you're weaving through the traffic. We only know the gratefulness of being well when we have the health scare or we've come through something that's really scary. We only know that, right, because we've had the human experience. And yeah. if we don't have it, if we're floating around <laughs> and we're joyful and we're pleasurable yeah. and we're, you know, hedonists, then how do we have... How do we have the full spectrum? We don't. So it's hard to admit that, that we have to. I think we're always running from the pain, you know? It's, but it's also hard to let, so I don't, you know, I'm, I suspect you may be able to speak to this as someone who had, like, there would be a line of people around the block who would agree if you had said, I am this way because of what happened to me. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, yep, that is yep. fair enough. Totally. If people know your story. And that could be a way to define yourself. And you could hold on to that. And people do hold on to that. The What would you have to say about the temptation to hold on to the pain? Like, let go and, and zoom out like you did and go, actually, oh, the beach is there. Kids are here. There's there. Sky's there. City's there. Uh, daycare's there. Back here. It's just a cyclist. <sighs> it's, Versus, yeah. fuck him and his fucking friend, and they look—they haven't fucking cured kidney disease, have they? Because it's still on their jumpers. You know, it's—that's it, a Luke Heggie line. Sorry, Luke. Uh, you know, like letting go of that pain, letting go of that resentment, that justification is sometimes quite difficult. I think we all know somebody that life has fucked over, and they've allowed it to ruin their life. They've turned up every day since with hatred, with anger, with toxicity, everything goes wrong for them, everything. And we see them, they're amongst us. And some haven't had a big, you know, trauma and some have had the worst things happen and they've chosen that life is fucked, fuck you, fuck life, fuck this shit. And I think watching those people, that kind of... Oh, that 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 festering and that slog of a life. I was just like, that is not for me. I would rather like I know I've got a choice. The grief is there, the trauma is there. It's gonna be the most uncomfortable, disgusting, horrific thing to look through, to pass through. And it's not gonna be quick. But what is my other choices? I can kill myself. That's a definite choice and it seemed like an easy option at times. Or I can live with putting it under the surface, drinking a bit too much, maybe going to men for attention, finding ways to build myself up, you know, on a surface level and let it pop up every now and again or turn me bitter or just go like head first. And I think because I had nothing to lose but my life, it was my life or head first. I couldn't quite see that it would make yeah. me one of those people. So mine's a little bit drastic, but I feel for those that, you know, horrible things have happened to people, horrible things, horrible things. And I talk to survivors every week on the deep that have survived the most horrific child sexual assaults have been trafficked as children And they're 60-year-old women that are now and have raised children, have shifted generational trauma, right, 
have raised children safely but have huge regrets of how close they were with their children and at 62 with their 30-year-old children are trying to find peace and resolve. Like, And this woman doesn't know if she'll ever be able to get there but she's trying. And I think the willingness, mm. willingness and the honesty of that is freedom to everyone else that you are hurting around you as well. Like if someone came to me and said, um, this pain that you were inflicting upon you, Zoe, fuck, I get it now. I'm going to try and get help. I'm not sure if I can stop doing it yet, but we'll give you space until I can figure that out. Like what freedom that would be. Whereas if you're just going through it and you're not talking to anybody about it, but you're hurting everybody, uh, I just, for me, that was no way to live. And I was saying to somebody only, I can't remember when it was last week, oh, I was doing a, a, a talk about DV and I was talking about how I now have this husband that I'm safe with, two healthy children that I was told I would never have, living in a beautiful home, doing a, a work that is meaningful to me. This was never a possibility for me. This was so far away. But I think it, the lesson is like, people will say like, you're so privileged, you you have um, access to funds or you have a husband or you're safe or, and totally relevant. I'm so privileged. I'm in this position now, but it wasn't like that. Like it was very different. And I think it's hard for people to understand that, you know, there are a lot of people out there in immense amounts of pain trying to survive, you know, and some of them go to drugs to survive. And for a very short period, drugs do help them survive. You know, I've spoken to people about it. We're all doing our best with the pain that we have, but to never do anything, oof, not an option for me, you know. And I don't think people listening to your podcast are those people. Oh, look, some, 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 some people are like, you know. Do you think? Everything makes sense. Everything makes sense to the person that's doing it. And this is the, that's really a hard thing it's to come to grips with. It's justifiable, totally. Yeah, everything makes it like Putin thinks he's doing the right thing. Totally. You know, in the Ukraine. Totally. It's so fucking hard to get my head around that. But it for me, you know, I, I come at it from the, the, the lens of addiction of like, oh, you know, someone who's like horrendous ice addict, like why can't they just stop? It's like, it makes sense to them right now. That's the, that's the best option they've got. Somebody does that because they go, yep, this is the right move. It's fucking hot. It's not. But in their head, they have decided, yep, this is the thing to do. I don't know if right and is the word then because it feels like certain people do do things that are compuls- uh, compulsions, you know. It's really hard, right, because I, I get to speak to a lot of the victims. But when I do speak to drug addicts, and it's something that really um, is hard. I, I, we've had addictions in a, a family unit and to... To understand that, right, as a choice is really hard for the people that are outside of that. But you're right, it's a choice. And then I think when you get to people that have done horrendous things, like fucking people that school shootings and, you know, like really horrendous things, you're right, it is definitely a choice. I don't know if they think right and wrong is so difficult. But I know it's a choice and they're desperate choices. With addiction, it's really hard 
because uh, and so well, I'm I'm sober thirteen years and uh, people. You know, when you're sober, I I asked a sober person when I was still drinking, "Can you help me?" So, people see sober people and go, "Can you can you help me?" Oh, you know, you know, people ask about their kids and stuff, and it's the worst for you know to be talking to a parent about their their son or daughter and knowing that they're just like into the ice and they can't stop and trying to talk about it's like right now that makes a lot of sense to that person Mm -hmm. like they know it's destroying them Mm -hmm. but it's the best move they've got Mm -hmm. it's better than the option which you know might be in intrusive thoughts or might be you know the pain of something that has yet to be processed or Mm -hmm. you know might be awkward certainly not Mm -hmm. i just want to be more awake it's not that by the time no no of course that's, that's really hard it's really really hard it's like yeah i know this is hurting everyone around me and might kill me and it's still the best move I've got right now. And it also and that's so fucking hard. Uh, as a parent, like <laughs> this is what's so fucked up. I guess the more you know, right? I yeah walk into a schoolyard, and I know the statistics of how many pe- kids are sexually abused. Right, so I'm looking at this schoolyard, yeah, and I'm I'm good. thinking these things. My child will never be allowed to have a sleepover ever, ever. And they're the things, you know, like I can't live with that part. When it comes to drugs and the kids are of drinking age and doing what they do and choosing what they choose and hanging with they hang, like we have no, we are, it is, we're free fallen, you know, and I sometimes think why did I have children? Like what am I, why have I done this? But this is the part of it, Zoe. You, I promise you, like I've been through the sleepover thing. I've been, th- I've been through that. All right, and you know, for me in this in this country, the the stranger danger thing is fucking bullshit. It does happen, and yes, it is. It does happen, but it is like single digit percentage of all child sexual assaults. It is familial, and it's you fucking. We're too afraid to ever speak about it publicly. That's the majority of that kind of stuff. So I get the sleepover thing. I really, really get it. I get Mm. the drug and alcohol thing. And you'll be okay. I promise you'll be okay because it makes you grow. I mean, I've been through through it. I went through it with the the sleepover thing and then the going out and the like, tall for beautiful 15, 16-year-old girls, hang out with 18-year-old boys. That's what happens. You know? (laughs) And, it's and they want to do, and you say goodbye, and then they get their fucking peas, and, and you're like, ah! Oh my god, no! <laughs> As a parent, what what I found, what Audrey and I found at least, is that it, Audrey had to take me through it because of my behaviour when I was a teenager. Yes, I had to be drag kicking and screaming through, like, she's not you, she's not you, and her, your life won't happen to her. We can just give her tools that you never had, and support her as much as possible. And at this point. She has never given us a reason to think that anything, like, I'm amazed at how she's navigated what's ahead of her. And so I would say it's it was fucking tough for me. Audrey had to keep saying, she's not you. It's fine. But it's okay now. And you'll be all right. It's hard. (laughs) You'll be okay. And who I got to become because of that. You know, it's like anything, really. It's like any of this parenting shit. It's, it's fucked. <laughs> it's like, you know, I've got to let go of that thing I've been holding on to. Damn it. I just don't. I'm, I need to work on that. That's another therapy session for another day. 
Just a moment away from Zoe Marshall to uh, let you know that if you do want to get in touch with me, it's super easy. Send us your email at gmail.com. There is also a mailing list, which I'd love you to be a part of. It means I can get in touch with you a little easier. Uh, there's a link in the show notes to that. We'll be back in a minute with Zoe Marshall. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What do you think is the biggest misconception about what it is to be in an intimate relationship with a footballer? Oof. I mean that they're all misogynists, they're all baboons, they're all disrespectful. And don't get me wrong, like he lied to me for a couple of months when we were dating because I never would have dated a footballer. Yuck. So I get it. I get the misconceptions because I am the he same. He didn't tell you that's what his job was? No, he said he was a publisher that did a little soccer. Um, publisher was a really interesting choice for him Whoa. to choose when he was drunk on the dance floor that night, but he chose yeah. that. And um, I picked up on it kind of on our f- – I, I noticed something was weird on our first date, but the more that we'd go out in public and people would stare at him, I was like something's up here. Because, you know, I was a pretty attractive lady and all these men are looking at him and not at me. So ah. I was uh, interested about that. But he did tell me the truth and then we had to, like, get through that as well. I, I understand the misconceptions. I think that some of them are true. You know, you can't deny that that some are like that, like in any industry, really. But he he was very willing to grow with me and he was very willing to I mean he's just an incredible human being um so it does come down to the individual and he's also a leader you know he's not one of the sheep so he was happy to stand up and and put people in their place and say what you know is right and be kind of a mentor to others so that's been something really important I mean he's a coach now so that's his whole jig right (laughs) He's like got to lead by example. Well, well, yeah, I wanted to. I wanted to ask. Like, that's a. It's a transition that not a lot of people. Not a lot of people make. Not many players get to still come to the same building, but just not have to wear shorts. Not yeah. many players get to the point where they, you know, get get a desk, and a, so quickly. and stay in the organisation. That's a hard thing to do and a hard thing to hold on to. Yeah. yeah so what do you, what do you think it takes to to do that? I think that everybody 
in the NRL understands the person that he is, the leader that he is, the impact he has on a team, not just the players, but the whole culture. And he, it wasn't just one team that wanted him, it was multiples. And it really came down to, you know, as a family unit working through what was right for us because, you know, footy's intense. I've only known him as a footballer. The the schedule is crazy and he was going to go or into media. Or a publisher, but mostly footballer. Yeah, mostly footballer. And so he was going to go into media for a little bit and then this... <laughs> this opportunity happened yeah. and he couldn't say no and it was hard for us because I was like, ooh, you know, the schedule again, the schedule, the schedule is a lot. Mm. Um, but he is fulfilled and purposeful and happy and that is all that matters at the end of the day is that I have a happy person in our household that, uh, you know, even when times are tough, he's happy. When he's done with the day you know is he is he a band heater level of dad or is he, you know what's the what 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 is he what kind of dad is he when he engages with the kids it was so great we had an argument a few weeks ago and he was like i don't want to be arguing with people at work and arguing with people at home right we need to be rock solid always and he rushes mm-hmm from work most days to do school pickup. So um, this sounds boasty or braggy and it's not supposed to be, but he comes home, he prepares dinner for us. We all eat at five o'clock. And from that point, we sit around and we do best parts and challenging parts of the day. So the four of us go around, even my daughter who's 20 months, she, she just babbles, but we talk about something that was really challenging. And if it was at his work, we all sit around and we say, what can we do to support that? For you. And so we go around in a circle, we get everything off our chest and he's banned at level. He is, he really is because he has wanted this his whole life. So after dinner, yeah. he does the dishes and he also bathes the kids. <laughs> so he does the afternoons. Right. But is, is he up at five? Is he, is he training and then he goes to work? Yeah. So he's, well, he's up generally at six. He's out the door, 6.30, I'm with the kids from seven till drop off. Wow. And then we tag team with nannies or whatever for school pickup and the baby and whatever it is. It's every day is different. But um, when he's not here, he's at work. When he's at work, he's here. And I try to push him to do something for his mental health each week, which is his golf. But sometimes he's just like, I want to be, I want to just do something with the kids or whatever. So, yeah, yeah he's really, he's really here. Now I've got to ask, was he a golfer when you met him? Uh, not as much, and it is a full blown obsession. Full blown yeah. obsession. You're gonna have to like. I was lucky in that mm, I met Audrey when I was like, "What are you doing this okay. Sunday?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm gonna ride a century. It's 165 kilometers. Uh, mm-hmm. it takes me about five hours." So I was That's already it. doing a thing that took me most of Sunday. Correct. When we met, but mm-hmm. dudes who like after the first kid start going to the driving range and like suddenly have a reason to not be around all day on a weekend. It's like, man, that's bold. (laughs) Because he doesn't have a lot of time and it is six, like it's maybe six to seven hours by the time he leaves to the time he gets home. Yeah. 
it's a thing, you know, like, okay, you have that half the day, I'll have this half, you know, I'll go for a really long lunch into dinner or something and come back. But we're very good at having our own lives. We're very, we know we aren't each other's everythings. We meet specific needs, but we have to go outside external to get other needs met. And we encourage each other for that. Sounds like you guys found, you know, you found the Wayne Bennett of of relationship coaches. (laughs) No, I'm the coach. Um, he is the assistant coach. But he he's very willing. Oh, no, I'm talking about the person that you go and see. I'm talking oh, about shit. the person that, that you go oh and God, see. Oh, my God, I thought you meant him. No, 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 no. Like, I'm, I'm talking about the person that you go and see. Like, this this is like. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, I was confused. Yes. Clearly, they have helped both of you become better together and better alone and it sounds like they're really setting you and and your family up you are willing to be set up for a different experience that you otherwise would have had which i think for me is is the thing like we we got you know we got put on the train tracks we we got put on when we were you know when we we're little well as many of us don't realize we can actually we can get off them yeah. you know we can it just take it takes work it's hard um but it doesn't have to go, end up uh, where it's going, otherwise we just end up repeating shit. So, look, I'm I'm stoked to hear you describe the way that the both of you are are in this process, and it's very rare that people do that. You mentioned people like to watch maths because they like to watch people not getting it right. Mm. Uh, I prefer what I've just heard. I prefer <laughs> hearing the experience of someone going, "Oh, we're really trying to get it right. We didn't all the time." Like that's more. I think that I'd like that sort of modeling. I prefer mm. to pu- to pub- pub- publicize, I guess. Uh, I know. In, in this show, at least. It's not as exciting, though, is it, than like hair pulling and wine People, throwing. It's and- extraordinarily exciting. <laughs> I want to know what kind of dancing and what song it was when he told you he was a publisher who plays soccer. Exactly. <laughs> we didn't even get into like how to keep the sex life, you know, raring. You know, there's so many like, it is just a. It's just a never-ending book, isn't it? It's just fascinating. It's great. Well, and that's what makes it exciting. Um, thank you so much for coming on, and I, I really appreciate the time and the, the precious, precious nanny minutes ticking you by know you spent speaking like with me today. Minutes. Yes, I do, dude. I do. <laughs> um, you're the best. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Speak later. And that was Zoe Marshall. Her podcast, which I, I think you'll dig, it's called The Deep. You can get it where you get your podcast. Get it where you get this one. Just look for The Deep. Zoe Marshall, you'll find it. Thanks for being a part of the show. Thanks very much to Andy Ma on audio and video post-production, Bree Steele on research and support, Toe Hider on music, and Rachel Barrett, executive producer. I'll see you on Wednesday. Look after yourself. Send me an email if you need it. Send us your email at gmail.com. I'll see you then. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.